right, you got your camera, you got a bag, you ready to go? Jump on in, we're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Here we are in windy Southern California today, which is why I'm not out photographing uh, landscapes today. So I got a wonderful opportunity to connect with my longtime friend and fellow photographer, Nick Smirnoff, who is a busy photojournalist these days. So I'm lucky to have gotten an afternoon, a couple, few, a little bit of time with him today. He's been photographing very, very busy, very tight schedules for Bakersfield newspaper, the Tehachapi News. And when he gets a great image, who knows who's buying that image or where in the world you'll see that image. So thank you so much for joining me today, Nick. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) And I love his last name, Smirnoff. I always think about shaken, not stirred. And I think that kind of describes Nick's current path, you know, Um, the busy life of a photojournalist, but yet he's got a smooth, fine art background as well. And I think that's what originally... I was drawn to. We met through the Art Association several years ago, and I have a hard time with names. And back in my Art Association days with a lot of members and being vice president and holding other jobs in that group myself, I often associated uh, people, artists, with their artwork. And for Nick, I was very much drawn to his series of mannequin photos, which are incredibly beautiful. And so we'll probably touch on that a little bit later in the podcast. But I'd like to let Nick do some talking now. So I want to start, as you all know, this podcast is about journeys, travels, and photography. And we all come to our... I don't know if I'd call it a drug as such, but I get my high when I'm out photographing as such. So I'm going to start by asking Nick where he first caught the bug, so to speak, Um, when, at what point in his life, if he can remember that moment, or if there wasn't a particular time, but it's been more, you know, what has his journey been? So, Nick, tell us about when you first picked up a camera, or what, how you started on this journey with the camera and the photography. When I was about 12 years old, my brother had a basement darkroom. He introduced me. He's about three years older than I am. And we did our own black and white photography. And to watch an image come in, uh, well, it sits in the developer, and then you take it over to the stop bath and the, smell the hypo on your fingers. Um, and then you can manipulate the image on the enlarger. It was a very interesting experience for a 12-year-old. I followed along on that path on and off through the years. Um, eventually, April had mentioned the mannequins, interesting story behind that i come out of the motion picture industry and we travel a lot we're a bunch of gypsies and i was in miami doing miami vice and there in this particular instance um we would film for six days and on the seventh day we were off i had nothing really to do on the seventh day uh, other than spend money unnecessarily and the prop department had a still camera had a bunch of them 
And I had read all these articles that we see in popular photography and all this. Get out there and find something that you want to photograph. Do everything that's yellow. Yellow. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's interesting. Right? Or go out there and do fire plugs. So, right. Um, I said, well, I should do a self-assignment, I guess. Why not? I'm yeah. bored and have nothing better to do, and I've borrowed a camera. So I kind of liked models, shooting models before. And I noticed that in every window, of, especially in Miami at that time, um, along uh, along uh, the Strip, uh, were mannequins. And they were beautiful. They were the perfect model to photograph. Oh, yeah. They never Stunning. got tired. They never had to go to the bathroom. And they never moved on you. So I said, well, that could be fun. And then I said, but maybe that's too easy. What if I give myself the challenge of photographing the mannequins in storefront windows only? Now, what that does, Mm -hmm. it means at night. Right. If they're lit, and you hope they're lit. It means waiting that there's no reflection in the glass behind you. Right. It means zooming in, zooming out, cropping, whatever you have to do to get the right part of the image. So to make a long story short, that was the birth of it. And for the last 25, 30 years, wherever I was in the world, I've shot mannequins if I could find them. What has happened now, of course, in the last 10 years is they no longer have faces. Yeah. Out of all this also, I ran across a lady in Flagstaff, Arizona, who was a mannequin repairist. <laughs> And that's what she does for a living, is she repairs mannequins for Macy's and Bullock's and all those places. And there's all kinds of arms and heads and things inside of her studio. And it was her father's business. So I met with her, and we show, we did, talked about doing a book together and a lot of other things. She has since retired, but mm-hmm. I still like to shoot mannequins when I can find time or if I can find the mannequin that is properly dressed. Otherwise, they all live in my drawer in, in my studio. <laughs> right. Well, I hope we get to put that book together. And I I've, I know I've told you this, this before. I really like to be a part of that project. But tell us a, a little bit more about, you mentioned Miami Vice, but I know you also worked on other shows and other, you know, just about your past career. It uh, helped a lot being in the motion picture industry because that's a visual medium. Mm-hmm. I got around some of the finest cameramen that there are out there in the industry, watched how they lit things and did things. I'm sorry that I didn't pay more attention now that I'm retired from the business. Oh, really? They, um, I could have learned a lot more than I did, but I was busy doing my job on the set as well. So what exactly was your place in the whole production of it as a such? I mean, since I'm not familiar with Funny that. you should ask, because I've been asked to do a series of lectures on that very thing. Oh, have you? <laughs> where I live in, the, in May. Um, people, places, and things were my job. And not only my job, it's the job description that I and 300, 400 others of us do in the Directors Guild of America. And what it basically means is every director needs to have his tools, his toys, available, on set, ready to be filmed on a tight budget and a tight schedule. And it's my job to make sure that happens. That's did what you, the assistant director does. Did you do some location scouting then with that? As yes. Far as, okay. Yeah, lots of scouting. Because that, you know, the landscapes, I mean, I've... I love shooting landscapes. I'm sure that was an enjoyable part. I had the pleasure, speaking of landscapes, of doing through my com- through a commercial company that I worked for. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to do all the Marlboro commercials. Every Marlboro commercial that was on television, uh, I oh, had wow. a hand in. It was our, the company I worked for that had the contract to do all of the 
visual ones that we see on television. I killed a lot of people. You killed <laughs> But um, I had a great time. We went to ranches all over the, the world. Oh, wow. Photographing with real cowboys and real horses, always with the vistas. A lot like John Ford would have done in his Right, day. right. So, and my job, again, was to make sure all of the elements were there when it was needed. The location, contracts signed, and the actors were there, and the camera, et cetera. That's a lot. Of, that's a big job, really. All the, you know, getting all the details in place and all of that. I believe it is. It's incredible looking back on it. At the time, it didn't seem out of place or unusual. Now, as I look upon it, wow, that's yeah. pretty darn important stuff. So how did you move kind of from that world and transition, say, into all of the newspaper photojournalist type role that you've taken on now or have been for the last 10 plus years I tried to keep my hand in photography as much as I could over the almost 40 years that I was in the movie industry Um, Vietnam came into play back in the 60s when I got out of high school I went over to Vietnam uh, a couple of three tours and was assigned because of my previous experience with photography uh, even though I didn't qualify on the tests for a combat unit with the Marines and the Seabees in country. And there I carried an old 4x5-speed graphic. That was the camera they issued to us back in the late 60s, early wow. mid-60s. And eventually came along uh, the 2 and a quarter, um, a 2 and a quarter camera, which brand now escapes me. So uh, anyway, eventually we got a 35 Leica, uh, <laughs> the MD5, I believe it was, or 3, or the one that is now worth thousands of dollars. Um, they surveyed all the equipment out when I got out, meaning that they were auctioned it off. Oh, you didn't get to keep, obviously, then what you were using. Well, I got to buy my choice of cameras. What a silly person I was, because I bought the 4 by 5 rather than the Leica, which is now worth several thousand dollars. But at the time, you don't know. You just kind of go with what your gut says. Hey, I enjoy this camera. Or... It does. It does. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's been a good camera. I love shooting larger format. It's fun. It's gotten very expensive. Oh, I very. don't do my own darkroom much anymore, only because nowadays with digital, and I'm very, very weak in the uh, Photoshop end of the world, but I'll take all my negatives and have them get digitized, and then I can play around a little bit. I shoot When I shoot, I've noticed over the years that I crop when I shoot. Very right. seldom do I, do I really try and fix something or change it on the computer or in a dark room. Well, I think that's too, though, partly for those of us who started with a film camera in that world, we learned you basically almost had to shoot it the way you wanted. I mean, to spend, well, and I think that's true now. Otherwise, you're going to, I'm not a person per se that likes to sit behind at a desk at my computer to me. And I've told my listeners before, that's a completely different art and I, I'd rather be out collecting and gathering. And I think with your photojournalism, I think with the, you know, like I say, shake and not stirred kind of rings with me for you. <laughs> you. You get a thrill out of having that pager go off and going out and capturing and being a part of the action, so to speak. Well, there's a whole other end of my world. When I retired from the motion picture industry uh, about 12 years ago, 
I'm a class A, a class A, pardon me. <laughs> I'm a type A personality. I can't sit still. I can't right. sit home and watch Westerns and get old. I can't well, garden. Good. I'm glad I can't you can't do any of that. <laughs> no, good. That's probably why we're good friends. Right, exactly. So I was asked um, if I could cover one particular incident for our local newspaper. Somebody had found out I know how to shoot photos, and they they were shorthanded, and they said, would you freelance this for us? Wow. So I said, yes, I suppose so. Give me something to do. And it blossomed and it grew through about another nine editors over the 12 years into where I now have a very strong freelance. I belong to the National Photographer, uh, National Press Photographers Association. Mm-hmm. It is a juried organization of photographers and photojournalists. We have um, protection that way with legal assistance if we get arrested or our cameras get impounded at a riot or those kinds of things. Oh, wow. They will come to our aid. Right. Uh, We pay a fee for this as a member. Uh, We have insurance that's covered in the NPPA for our our own personal camera gear. Very inexpensive. Uh, But anyway, that uh, is all part of being a photojournalist. Uh, I have lived in a smaller mountain community. It's a local paper known as the Tehachapi News. Mm -hmm. And um, along comes another competing newspaper of sorts, but it's more like a shopper newspaper in town. And they, too, hire me on. Well, now that's great. Now I have two clients. (laughs) And then the Chamber of Commerce came along, and I pick up on all of theirs. And the city came along, and the Kern County Fire Department has asked for photos. So it it blossoms and and it blooms. One key issue if you're going to freelance is what do you give away, what do you charge for? Right. The more you give away, the friendlier they'll be to you the next time. But on the other hand, they'll bleed you to death. I was going to say, there's got to be almost, yeah, and how do you set that line so that you get paid for your time, for your work, for your, you know, a lot of it's time, taking the time and listening and getting to the scene and your eye. I it's mean. been 12 years. I haven't figured it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am under contract to a couple of local newspapers. Uh, they are national newspapers in their own right. Most recently, just yesterday, was a plane crash in our area. Um, I had unlimited access because I knew the right people. Right. I'm the only one that got a photograph of the plane wreckage itself. It ran in two of our local papers. Uh, and Phoenix, which is where the pilot was from, television station and news press had called and wanted copies of that and my paper said we can't sell it to you because it was done by one of our freelancers but here's his phone number so i negotiated a contract with them and got them the photos for their issues i've done that with the washington post i've done it with several different publications a lot of slicks will ask for um, landscape photos of snow and things which is where i live and that is another market uh, insurance companies. I have. I always photograph accidents, and where mm-hmm. I live, they're pretty hairy ones. They're on a yeah. on a highway with a lot of semis and fires. And, right. And um, I would say, out of every nine accidents I photograph, three attorneys will come to me and want the complete set of photos that they saw in the newspaper. So I will sell all twenty-five or thirty or right. forty photos as a batch for a fee. Uh, and then they use them on legal cases. I've only been called once into court uh, to testify, 
And I was advised by the NPPA that the answer that you give, if you're a photographer and you took that photograph and they show you and they say, you know, tell me about this photograph. Right. All you have to say is this is a true representation of what I saw. Right. That's you didn't it. doctor it. You didn't write. And that's it. But that's you can do then not answer other questions, that is hopefully. Correct. That is correct. Right. And best you don't in many cases because you can sway a jury to one side or the other. And that's not my job. No. Oh, I no. took the photo. That's what it is. End of case. So that's an exciting part of the job. The downside of the job is you live with a scanner yeah. in your house, in your car, in right. your bathroom, in your shower. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my poor wife, bless her heart, um, for for a long, long time, lived with a scanner on almost 24 hours a day, even at night, because you can program it to where only only the certain certain calls you want to hear will come through. So you may only be woken 20 times a night instead of 150, even in that small community. Uh, I have since, in the last five, six years, found another means. I have contacts now that will call me at night if it's that important. Mm-hmm. I then turn the scanner on, and, and I up. then pick up on what's going on. Gotcha. So now we have a much quieter, happier life. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so that has made a big difference. This plane crash I picked up that way. It was a right. tip that came in the moment it happened, and I turned on the scanner, and there I went. Um, the downside is that I do freelance. That means that I will answer a lot of calls that are never worth photographing. Mm. So I have spent my gas and my time and gotten up out of bed and gotten dressed like a fireman and go rushing out to something that is really not that bad or is not newsworthy enough to have a sale. That's a downside. Yeah, that is a downside. But that's all part of it. Right. That adrenaline. It's that adrenaline. Right. That, that, yeah, it's that. Why am I driving right. behind the slowest guy in the whole country right now when I want to get there? Right. Um, our fire department in Kern County has gotten so good recently that it's hard for me to get flames anymore. Oh, is it? I, oh. You, they're, they're quick. They're right on the spot. <laughs> I guess and, uh, that's a good, <laughs> it's a good thing, but not as photogenic, you might say. That is correct. <laughs> right. So as a, as a photojournalist... There is a criteria that that I believe in personally, and my job is I've got to come back with a photo, if I'm especially if I'm assigned. Right. Doesn't matter if it's no good. Right. I, I, by that I mean if the event's no good. Doesn't matter if, if whatever. I've got to show them something that is publishable. So there's a real challenge. Because as a freelancer, you get paid then by the images as such. That is correct. Now, not per image as okay. it used to be, okay. but now by the job itself. Okay. Uh, there is an example of a lip sync contest at the local high school. It's a 33rd year of it. It's a big deal. Right. We have a 1,000 local people that come out to watch this. Um, I have to pick and choose the best example of, of 18 different groups Oh, wow. How many of that group performing for three minutes to four songs do you shoot? My shooting ratio, now that is digital, when it was film, it might be one in ten. Right. It's now like nine and nine out of ten because it's digital. Just, well, it's digital, but also you have to think of the back end. Like you said, you have that turnaround time. Terrible. Terrible. Because I mean, the deadlines, that means then I have to rush back to the studio or I have to, to, to go to the newspaper or I have to go to my iPad where I do edit on my mm-hmm. iPad as opposed to a laptop. 
right? And send them in, and that could be another two or three hours worth of work on top of the two or three hours of filming. And if you go by an hourly basis, you might only make $10 an hour, or you might make $100 an hour. So tell us a little bit about Tehachapi. Tehachapi is a mountain community uh, uh, 5,000 feet up in the air. It's the southern end of the Sierras. It's in an area known as Kern County. Um, They are very attuned to publicity for local government agencies, which helps me. Mm-hmm. I give away, as I say, a lot of photos to the fire department and the sheriff's department in exchange for um, not special access because they can't legally do that, but they can look the other way. Right. Now, I won't ever cross that line into an area of, of I might go into an area of danger, but you, we don't cross the line into a crime scene. Gotcha. And they know that I know that, and they respect the fact that I won't do that. I won't pick up an object or move See, it. and I think that's important to note, and again, about your personality, you're, you've got that balance of, like, the shaking of, like, you know, you want to capture what's happened, but there's also the responsibility of kind of respecting, say, family if it's been a really bad accident as such, and trying to be respectful and also, again, of the maybe evidence or... It's it's got to be difficult, or and again, t- how you not uh, being a photojournalist. I don't think everyone can be cut out for certain types of things, like the car accidents. I use that. I don't. I don't know that I would have. It's a difficult situation. I mean, you may have. That being said, I have learned over the years, socially, and 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 career wise, creatively, that I hide behind the lens. Okay. I don't have to. I'm a whole different personality if it's if it's a greet and meet yeah. cocktail party <laughs> and you got to get the, the two principal people right. and laughing and grinning and all this stuff. Um, or going to the car crash where you hide behind the lens. You never can show a body that they won't say. I may shoot it, right. but I can't sell it. Right. But it goes to the fire department or it goes to the ambulance service and they use it for training or they use it for whatever purpose they want to use it for in exchange it once again for kind of looking the other way when i'm out there doing my job it's self-taught I, there's no book that tells you how to do it it your personality kind of depends on your access it's as simple as that what types of things have you felt have made you a better photojournalist because as you said you kind of it kind of fell into your lap as such you know when you moved to Tehachapi and you you know, took on? Well, I would have to say what has made me, for for one thing of importance, um, when I started doing this, I had a, a Nikon D100, one of the earlier um, digital cameras there was. And out in the field, I would have a zoom. And I'm pausing because at my age, I forget things. That's okay. I believe that's wrong. That's incorrect. With the D100, I had two basic lenses. I had a wide and a 50, something like that. Right. When you started, you mean? When I started, and maybe an 80. Okay. So three lenses. And I'd carry them around with me going through the fire line because I'm very aggressive in what I do. I have a four-wheel drive vehicle with scanners, and (laughs) and I hike a lot and walk um, and stand underneath borate planes that go over and that right. kind of stuff. Well, these three lenses would serve me well, but every time I would go to change lenses, 
something would always get in on the sensor of the camera. And I was forever trying to clean what I couldn't clean. Right. So along comes Nikon a few years later with a wonderful zoom lens, basically from 28 to 200. Right. Now, that's my principal lens. I never need to change it out in the field. The dust and dirt never gets in the body anymore. Um, and yet I still have a set of, of prime lenses uh, for portrait work. Uh, one of the interesting things is I'm a generalist. Anybody that's a photojournalist has to be a generalist. He's got to be able to shoot a tabletop. Maybe he's doing a... Uh, it, it's the stories well, about true. a restaurant serving a good meal. Right. Well, you got to get a picture of that meal. Right, right. And then you got to get a picture of the owner. That's a portrait. Yeah. And then you got to get a wide shot of the establishment. That's another way of lighting and looking at things. Right. So you got to be a generalist. And, and then at the same time, you may be on the way home and you go by an accident site. So you jump out, and now you got to change <laughs> hey, all your switch. settings to daylight, because uh, I, I never shoot an automatic. I seldom ever shoot an aperture. I always, I'm manual. I'm You're an old manual. school. No, that's good to hear. Uh, give me a light meter that's built in, and I'm old school. Um, and I find it works very well for me. I, it's so important that every photographer, gosh, and, and this is, comes back to what your comment was, April, from from film days, you've, everyone's got to learn how the depth of field is governed by the f-stop which is governed by the shutter speed um if you get that ratio yeah you gotta get that balance that's right right. you gotta get that so many things i see today that are shot even in advertising either the foreground's enough out of focus that it's distracting Mm -hmm. but it's an important element in the picture or the background is or one or the other when all you got to do is change your f-stops a little bit put a little more light in there and you can get depth of field all the way across and and to an old school guy like me that's very important so um well, and it, it improves. It's improved your photography. You were able Immensely. to, you know, understanding those basics. When you're in a situation, you have to think quickly. You have to adjust quickly. You've got, you know, maybe like you said, the fire, and then you've got the buildings in the dark. But you need to show, you know, the different different elements to complete the story. As I such. have a, a funny story of learning. I was out on a on a house on fire one night in the middle of a snowstorm. Oh, no. And I'm <laughs> this taking, sounds interesting already. I'm taking photos of this house that's a beautiful home, all on fire, and it's all great right. flames, and it's a wonderful shot. Um, but it needs a little fill light. So I have my flash on, and I use a little fill light. Well, every picture I take, my lens is dirty. It's got snow on it or something because it's oh, snowing at the same right, time. Right. So I'm cleaning my lens, and, and after about the 85th time of being dumb and wiping my lens, I realize, well, wait a minute, there's nothing on my lens. So I realize, of course, like anybody should know, that every time I fire the flash, I'm lighting the snowflakes that are between me and the house. Right. So you're kind of getting those reflections. Which is totally wrong. I can't see the house. All I see is snow. (laughs) Right. So I get on a tripod and and set up for a longer shot, uh, a longer um, exposure time. But but those little things you learn as you go along, um, and, and you have to know... Your readers, um, that's what I'm looking for, your readers' uh, sensitivity. 
I can take some of the best photos there are mm-hmm. without showing a body. Right. But in my community, if if that's known by somebody, maybe they all know this guy. Yeah. Or this person or right. this child and they die or they don't make it. It's a great photograph, it's nothing bad about it, but then they don't want to see it. Right. So our editors have to be very cognizant of what style of photography in news a community will handle. It's not like Los Angeles where they'll take anything. Or the National Enquirer where you know uh, where blood sells. If that, it bleeds it yeah, leads. Yeah, that's interesting. That's not that's what we right, are to in, understand correct. who your audience is correct. and who you're trying to peg your photos to sell them to. Correct. So are there she, other freelancers then that are working for these newspapers that I mean cuz in a given weekend as such There are. Okay. Uh I have not met many of them because we don't cross paths that often. I have met a couple of them. They're very good. I happen to think personally that the staff photographers that used to be on staff at the Bakersfield Californian newspaper, mm-hmm. which is the longest single-family-owned newspaper in the state of California back to the 1800s, still owned by the same family. That's amazing, actually. Still a major (laughs) newspaper. Um, Let all their staff go, and it's like everything else going on in journalism nowadays. Uh, If the uh, fire department will take a photo of free or somebody with their little camera will take a picture for free, go online with it, why buy mine if they can get yours for free? Right. And that's a big problem to being a a photojournalist. Now, they can't necessarily do a caption because every photo has to have a caption, and it has to be, in our case, AP uh, standards, Associated Press standards. It's a standard newspaper format around the country. So you have to know these things. But if it's free, well, the paper might look the other way (laughs) and do their own caption. Oh, and then create their own caption and get the actual facts that go with it. They can't. Where I may already know all that, but mine costs money. So why use mine? But my newspapers, my contacts are very good. They, They honor mine first. Okay. And, and, uh, they're, they're proud of that fact and I'm pleased with that fact. So, um, Slowly but surely, I've built a reputation of being almost everywhere. Right. Um, there was one <laughs> one instance, and and, and I, I don't like talking about myself, but I heard <laughs> on the scanner at a brush fire that was just breaking out the helicopter calling down to the to the battalion commander on the ground. Has anyone called Nick yet? Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> and I heard this on the scan. My wife did why? also, and we just cracked up. We just thought that's the funniest thing. That we've is, ever it's heard funny, in our but life. it also makes you feel good that they know that you're going. Well, it does. You know that you're going to get the right shot, and you know so the firefighters are hard at work. It, it does something. You know, there's two two sides at there least is. to every story. So if if you're going to sell photos, do it right. Don't 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 cheat on it. Your nowadays cell phones are terrific. Don't don't ever put down your cell phone. Your your cell camera, your phone camera, can do darn near as good. And um, but you got to know how to use it, and you got to know how to frame the picture. Right. You still need to know um, basics of composition. Exactly. And... I hate to say it, but those cell phones are terrific. No, I, so, I, um, <laughs> I do too. But but that, again, that's why I encourage people. It's what you have in hand, and yes. if you're if there's a beautiful scene in front of you or you happen to be in the right place at the right time, you happen to be at, you know, I guess at Disneyland the other day when Johnny Depp was there and, and you can grab a photo. I mean, absolutely. Get your cell phone out and capture it. Absolutely. Especially in the news world. I think 
people need to be aware of that. News is happening all the time, and you may or may not just happen to be in the right place, right time. One of the hardest things that I had to learn, self-learn, um, and and Jeff will probably appreciate this, is that taking all these photographs, I had to have a filing system of some kind to sell for stock if oh. there was going to be a stock sale. So uh, what I had to do is, is, because I don't know Photoshop, which was rather raw 12 years ago. Right, it was. It, there, there's no cloud 12 years ago. There's no. No, no way of storage like I invented for myself. And then once you start, you don't want to change it. Right. So I had to find a filing way, and I did, and I use it all the time, and I still use it. Do you have any suggestions to people that are interested in maybe pursuing something in photojournalism, some tips for them as far as... Yeah, I don't need you out there for competition. <laughs> right, I know. Okay, come on. F- find freelancer. your own area. Go find but... your own. <laughs> right. um, we've, we, I work closely with, with young youth groups that, okay. that have competed against me. Uh, that's okay. I, I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of well. Kind we're going to need to have buster, some, but, you know, people in the ranks coming. Ex- exactly. Fortunately, they all go to college and move away somewhere else. Right. But, um, do I have any tips? Yeah. Um, always have a camera handy. Obviously, don't be afraid to use your cell phone right. if that's all you've got. Do not be an annoyance to any anybody anywhere out there at this point. Don't overstep your bounds. Listen, if they say back off, then back off. Put a longer lens on if you have to, Mm -hmm. if you have that capability. A lot of my photographs that work best, I take as I drive up and hop out of the car. The first ones. That's right. Right. Before I move up and get the closer ones. So if they chase me away, at least I have something. I have to come back with something. Right. And, and, um, and, And know how to use your camera. I know how to shoot at night. Now, don't rely on the flash. If you use a flash at night, it wipes out all of the color and all of the ambiance. Right. Unless you cut that flash ratio in half or a quarter, then you just have a little fill light. Right. Know how to light. Right. How much thinking, how much do you think of being a photojournalist is developing the eye or knowing your camera? I get asked that quite a bit sometimes. Well... You can't... And that's a tricky one. (laughs) Yeah, it it, it is. Um, I don't believe you can grow your eye. You can improve upon your eye. You either have the eye or you don't. Okay. Um, I think that's true of painters as well and any other artist. It's either there or it isn't. You can improve on it if you find you have it and make it much better. Uh, You can grow a rough eye enough maybe to get by. But you've got to be able to back that up with the equipment you have, with the paintbrush that you're using. Mm-hmm. You don't want to use the wrong paintbrush. Right, right. Uh, you don't want to write the wrong words for a novel. Right. So you have to use your visual expression means in a way that you know how to use it. You know your camera. Know your lenses. Know depth of field. Know those basics. And don't be afraid, because <laughs> it's digital, don't right. be afraid to bracket Bracket, bracket, bracket. Well, of course. You can't do that with space. film. No, you can't. But go two stops over, two stops under, and then right on the money. And somewhere in there, you'll you'll be good. Which brings me just to another quick point. It's funny because I represent so many different, um, and I'm not bragging, so many different entities, maybe four, 
on a particular event that happens in Tehachapi. Right. Maybe it's nothing more than a handshake between the governor and the town council or the or the head of the city. Mm-hmm. So how do you shoot a handshake four different ways? Because no newspaper wants to run the same image in his paper. Oh, they each want something a, well, little, a little different. different. That's that right. That makes sense. So how do you shoot something as simple as that in four different ways while it's happening? That's a challenge. Yes, ma'am. And I bet bet in your mind you're always trying to come up with that slightly different angle or something. That's got to have something. (laughs) Got to come home with something. Right. So that's a good challenge. And that's fun. It's actually fun. I have no complaints at all. Yeah. I'm tired. It keeps you going 24 hours a day. Um, but it's fun. I know in your line of work, um, you've probably met some really, you know, interesting people, maybe, you know, heads of, I don't know, just have you ever felt like you kind of got starstruck as such? And what was that instance like where you almost interfered because it's like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, and I don't know who that person may or may not have been. I don't know if I, you know, bumped into somebody, if I'd be able to, Ah, function, you know, you get too excited, but your job is to, like you said, go back with a picture. Has that ever happened, or you pretty much know ahead of time, possibly, okay, Schwarzenegger is going to be at this event as such, or, and I'm not even sure who in your past, because you've... Well, Schwarzenegger is interesting, because he was our governor in this state during this past 12 years, and I did a lot of work with him on the fires. He would always come to the fire camps. Oh, that's interesting. And he would give he would speak about you know how great the state is helping put it out and and, and all of that. Um, we we developed a bit of a personal relationship. It was hello Nick, how are you kind of oh, thing. Oh wow! Partly because he knew I also came from the movie industry. As, okay, as he had. So there was a kind of a common thread there a little. But bit. I'm not the only journalist out there. Right. So my my uh, fellow journalists and I use it that way. Um, we work well together, fortunately. We're not in competition. They they may be television. They may be another newspaper somewhere around. Mm-hmm. But we allow each other the opportunity to get the shot that we need. It, it's all kind of a handshake, nice, nice, comfortable feeling. I've right. given away some photos to a, a TV station and, and a, another publication a number of times because they couldn't get in to get it. I was okay. the only one with the four-wheel drive or whatever it right, was to, to, get, to get in to get it. Okay. I didn't give them the same photo that I sold to the paper. But to build a rapport, all I asked for was photo credit. I said, "Just you don't have to pay me. Just mm-hmm. give me the photo credit. Right. And they've used it. And, and they likewise have done if I needed one. So um, it's very, very cordial in that sense. And you want... You want that. You don't want to be combative. You don't want to fight for for your position in, in the line. Right. If you act right, they'll open up It'll and give you that opportunity after they get theirs, maybe. Right. The thing that drives me crazy, and everybody out there, listen, don't ever, ever, <laughs> ever do this to somebody. I will set up a group shot or, or right. some kind of a composition. Yeah. And I've got 35 moms behind me with their little cameras taking the same uh, photo that I'm trying to grab to put on the, in the newspaper. In the newspaper. Now, they're going to put it online in a, in a heartbeat. Right. It'll be on Facebook before you get My home. My picture's old and not usable. Right. And I set all of this up. 
How do you deal with no that? No other, no journalist will do that. No journal, photojournalist will shoot the other person's composition, at least without asking. No, they won't. There's so, a respect there. There's a. What I've learned to do is I will line them up in a certain way. And let all the mothers shoot there. Get, get you folks go ahead first. Get all what you want. Oh. And they're all busy looking and all that. And then I'll move five people around and change the composition a little bit and shoot my picture. Oh, that's kind of that's good. the only way I can do it. Because I, I I run into that a lot myself yeah. when you get asked to photograph a group as such, and everybody wants to right. jump in there. They're so excited. They got their cell phone before you even make the finished product. That's if right. it's going to be. A cover of an you know uh, an ad or something for a band or a flyer. They already put it up to Facebook, and you're like, wait, I spent all that time exactly composing the shot, right? And the value is gone. Yeah. So frustrating. Have that respect. But all that, the listeners That's a good tip. There, have their, have their <laughs> hey, respect. let them get in there first, and then you redo it and redo it. Oh, and if you're or step working back, with others, step back, step back and back. maybe sure. let them do it first, and then sure. or ask, you know. But you got to think of that on the fly. You got to think, gotta of, that think at that of that second, right? That that's what's going to happen to you, especially we're little kids at baseball games and oh, and school right. dances and and cute stuff. Yeah, you know, dogs rolling around on the ground, but. Um, <laughs> That's that's, that's a great my only tip. complaint. All right. So we're at that point in the show where I want to ask you, what's in your bag? <laughs> what's in my bag? What's in your bag? It's Every a simple bag. photographer. It's and a as he- a photojournalist. It's a heavy bag. You have it it's with you, I assume, bag. all the time. All the time. It goes with me. And I'm never without it. I'm never without a camera. Usually never without this bag. Okay. Um so what Some, kind of bag do we have here? Uh, we we have I don't know a domestic. We'll put it. I'll it's put it in the bag. yeah. I'll put it's it got in the lots notes of little pockets in it for different things. It's well protected, well padded. It's very easy to carry. It is a shoulder bag. Mm-hmm. I can sling it over one shoulder. I can put it over both shoulders and put it on my back. I do not take it into the field. Yeah. I have a side pouch that I will carry um, because I may get water drops on me. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. But my basic bag stays in in my truck, my, my four-wheel drive truck. And I've really ended up in the last three years with two basic lenses. It's as simple as that. Hey, that's One what is works. a 28 to 200 millimeter Nikkor uh, zoom lens. A is little, that what's on the body slow. there now? That's what's on the body now. It's very short, lightweight. Um, it's not super fast. It's 3.5 to 5.6. I have learned, and everyone should, this is a tip for everybody. When you're using a zoom, if you're all the way out, you're all the way to 300 mark, yeah, let's say it's a 300 right. or 200, back it off just a, just a tick. Just turn it, not even a quarter of a turn, less than a quarter of a turn, and you'll get sharper images. I've learned that too. Zoom lenses <laughs> have a habit, and even at the back end, at the widest end. Same thing. Sometimes, yes. So So that will help you. But that lens is the one that I carry on my body all the time. I never have to change it at a fire or a dusty situation or if it's raining or in the snow and, and that kind of stuff. It, I can, I can, if I need it, I can walk forward and get the shot. Right. I can go further back and get the right. shot. I can go left or right. And you've got the Nikon. Which body is that one? That's the right. Nikon. Well, now, I've, I've got, nicely enough, I've got a, a 750 full frame. Nice. Which is, I don't know if anyone old out there that's listening remembers the Minolta days and the little detective cameras that came out. And they were 35 millimeter film cut into little, a quarter, four quarters to a 35 millimeter oh, wow. film. Oh, wow. 
and you could take little bitty pictures with them. Right. That's the difference between a full frame nowadays in digital and a non-full frame in digital. That's a it's great way to explain it difference. to people. Big difference. What they're getting with their... The clarity, the sharpness. And don't... I recommend you don't get into the digital race on, may, on uh, how, how many uh, megabytes there are. Megapixels, it doesn't... It, it go, you can go crazy. Right. Um, get 9, 10, 13, 12, somewhere in there. You can do it with three right. and get a oh, good yeah. photo. It's up well, to the Well, even like you said, the cell phones now are up Correct. in the range where... Correct. And I'm sure they're publishing. The papers are taking some of those cell phone photos. They are. Photos. And that's another problem because for us that try to shoot better than that mm-hmm. is they're free and we charge for our photos. So what's your second lens? The, the main, main second lens is not a lens for the full-frame camera. I do have a full-frame wide-angle lens Okay. that's adaptable for it. But I fell in love. I was given as a gift by my, my wife a Tiffin, I believe it is. I can't tell you. Tamron? Uh, um, I'm pausing. That's all I right. I can't read it. Here, maybe I can. Let me see. What does that say on there? That gold mark. Is that a Tamron or is that a Nikon? No, it's a Tokina. Which Tokina? Okay. I mean, all, all right. the third parties are coming okay, out so with better Okay, it's a third party Tokina, which I'm always nervous about third party lenses. Yeah. But if you read enough reports, you're going to get sold on one of them. And, and we got sold on this one. It's 12 to 28. Ooh. It is not full frame. There is some barrel distortion at some points. Right. But the sharpness, the clarity, the advantage of this lens uh, to go a little bit wider than the 28 on the other is incredible. Well, the 12, too, you can get a really nice wide, you know, if you're inside a building or doing an interior. Absolutely. And there's not a whole lot of distortion. There is some distortion on the, on the edges, mm-hmm. but in a computer, easy fix, easy fix, and bring that image forward. And, and you can walk right up on a group of people with it. That's what I like. Oh. The problem with a, with a, if you're shooting a group of 30 or 40 people, right. you have to get so far back, you can't see any heads. Right. So obviously you need to get in closer. If you get in too close, you can't see everybody. Put a wide it. angle lens on, but find the right one. That works and for the group. This works. This works quite well. Nice. Quite well. There are better. There are others. Do you have certain filters you like to use? No, I use no filters. Oh, those are all well, no. Do you now, have a zero I have safety. I, okay. I have safety filters on. Okay, so they that's have saved good to know. my butt so many times. They'll get cracked. They'll get dirty. They'll get scratched. Um, that's good to hear. I, I have five I extra read... ones sitting in my studio. See of every size right. I need. So and again. Uh, um, um, I firmly believe in those zero filters on yeah, every single yeah, lens. Sky, sky light or 1A right, or whatever they right. call them. They'll save you in the end every single time. Uh, but I don't use any kind of gradated filters. I don't I don't play. Uh, if I'm doing black and white, I might. But mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot black and white in film. I'm not going to play with the black and white here. Right. Uh, I may do it in the computer later if for some reason it's a Western picture or something. But Something, right. But, but uh, So I use that. Uh, I do not, again, I say, I do not like flash very much if I can avoid it. Not in the digital world. It works fine in the film world. The digital world, it's, it's trickier. You've got to take time to get the right settings, even on automatic. And that takes, you, you miss the shot right. by the time you work out in your head. Um, and and with the programs out today, to uh, digitally, you can pretty well fix any kind of an underexposed. Can't fix over. No, that, you that's can't. the biggest problem. Over just kills you. 
but if you're underexposed, and, and if I'm not sure, I'll go underexposed on purpose because I know I can pull it up. And right, I can you save can bring it. it back. You've saved Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm not shy at all about pushing the EI or the exposure index, uh, especially now with a full frame. Um, very important. I can go up to 64,000, I think, on this if I want. I, I know. Without the a lot of noise. Keep getting... I shoot 32... Uh, thirty two hundred nine nine hundred uh, whatever they say high whatever that comes out to I don't go to extreme and again with the digital programs you can pull that noise out of there if you need to right. but they're not very much very bad on noise at all they're fabulous do you have any other little gadgets in your no, bag that you I, find um, I use a, I do carry a flash if I'm going to use a flash and I and don't get me wrong I do use a flash for a soft fill light occasionally don't 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 uh put it on automatic and let it shoot full power right learn how to cut it in half or in quarter and the same time you shoot it'll just give a little fill on the eyes and the nose and the face without burning out the background um i do have some some filters that you put on the, the big globy thing or to light the room softer and all that i hardly ever use them yeah so no that's that's um do you carry any of the lens claws with you? I do. I do carry lens claws with me. I'm I'm very bad. I'd rather throw away a filter, uh, you know, because I've wiped it with my sweatshirt. <laughs> it works. Hey, it works. So <laughs> got to do. What you uh, I'm not do. very sophisticated in that, or the blower brush, or any of that. If I take the filter off and I touch the lens, that's a different story. Right. Um, the only other thing I can recommend is, I just I just cringe at hearing people say oh gosh it's a lovely picture i have my my phone camera not my phone camera but i have my little point and shoot and it's lovely oh my battery's dead i i i can't i just i can't believe i carry four batteries and that all, is important. They're always to know. charged. Keep and them always charged. They cost twenty five dollars a piece. Get four extra ones. Right. Keep them in your bag, or on your body. On in your a body pocket. I always carry an extra battery for the camera in my pocket and an extra card, because sometimes a card wants to go goofy on you, and I don't know why, but it does. Um, is there a certain size of card you prefer? Because I know there's two schools with that on that too. Some people like smaller cards because they figure if they lose a smaller card, they've only lost part of their images some people like a big card that's I've in there and never stays in studied there. I've never okay. studied that the well, 750 Cubs with the smaller one my D100 was the larger one I have a reader that'll do both yeah. so and and I don't see any difference no not not so much it. a difference but just so that if you're out for the day cuz I imagine living up on the mountain and you get a one call that might lead to a second or third or fourth call. You might be gone all day before you can get back to a computer and start sending these up to the paper. That's true. My How my large seven of... my seven fifty takes two cards. Okay. Oh, it does. So hold it two backs cards. itself up if you wish, mm-hmm. or it overflows if you wish, and that's a big advantage. Um, I do accident investigation photography every now and then, mm-hmm. and I have a two gigabyte card very hard to find those are yeah those are small uh, if anybody out there knows tell me because i want to go buy about 20 of them and what i will do because of the nature of the chain of evidence right in in police work i can shoot with that two gigabyte card enough photos mm-hmm. just give them the card oh and it cost me four dollars oh yeah give them the card untouched they have it chain of evidence is is perfect 
that's that's yeah. really important in that type of situation. It, it, it is. It then is. you haven't gone home with it and potentially that's had an opportunity to alter, change, quote, correct. evidence. Correct. So always carry images. the small eight gig. Take an eight gig. They're right. so inexpensive. And use that if you're driving and you have an accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, or whatever. But make sure that you have a very small card with you that you can give away if you have to. That's a recommendation. Otherwise, in my bag, no, I don't... Um, I don't have anything else. I have my, my press passes, my press credentials. That is very important. That is pr- uh, important. It protects you from a legal standpoint. There are legal ramifications if you cross certain lines, but there's also a legal statute that says if you are a qualified journalist, you have the right to be uh, and do certain things. That's a guaranteed right in all states uh, of the country. So know those rules if you have a press credential, if you are certified. If you're not, please stay out. Just stay back. Yeah. Because it makes it difficult for the rest of us. To and do. it can point a bad light on the rest of us. Yeah, that's important so to please, know. So please, those of us making a living at it, please allow us to. Right. But, um, Excellent. No, that's it. That's about all Great. I got. Great information. So my last question... And if you listeners are interested, Nick does have a website called glasseyephotos.net with a nice assortment of his images, everything from a little bit of mannequins, a little bit of models, some newsworthy things. But um, Glass Eye Photos, why did you choose that name and what does it mean to you? Well, <laughs> it's outdated. You I think find so? it very difficult to keep my work up. I don't, if I, (laughs) when I get an assignment and I put four hours into it, I'm not going to sit and play on my computer and learn. No, I understand. It's just not me. So therefore I don't necessarily update my website either. No. As I should. I don't, I don't need it to get jobs. It's an ego thing. Right. And I'm not big on the ego thing. Right. Uh, Once the picture's out, it's done. It's the end of my life for that sense. However, your, your question was... Glass eye photos. Oh, glass eye. Why did you choose that name? I mean, you've probably had it for a while. I've had it for for like almost ever. Um, Only finds out that glass eye dot com i think is a glass eye company oh so uh they came along about the same time i did but okay. glass eye uh, looking through a glass eye recording through a glass eye as the lens of the camera is that's what gave me the the idea in the first place and um, i thought glass eye met all of the criteria that i needed at the time and i still own it and pay for it and try to no i, I like had, it i, I had like several it. other glass eye Options that have sort of fallen by the wayside, but um, that is it. Uh, please do look if you've looked and, and it's still active. That's great. It's, it's still active. Okay. Well, so. <laughs> if anybody will get together with me and show me how to add some more, I would love it. <laughs> I would pay somebody to do that. So okay, it's not my thing. All right, Nick. It's been a real pleasure having you in studio today to talk to you, and I look forward to going out photographing with you again some more. I've had some wonderful opportunities with Nick. Great fun on your travel trips. Oh well, thank you. I, I am I am um, I'm a big fan of yours oh, on well, your thanks. travel trips, the ones that we have taken together. I love what your websites and and podcasts do. It sounds absolutely terrific, and it's fun to look at where you've been. Um, Anyone out there listening, you ought to talk to her because she's she's got the handle on how to do it. <laughs> and the thing that's fun about it, I've been on other photo workshops 
I never used to be, but I've, I've went to some others in the last five years or so. And the ones that really work are the ones where, um, an example, April and I went to one photo workshop together, mm-hmm. uh, along with some other folks in Palms. In, um, it was out in the desert. Out uh, in the, it was down in Imperial Valley. Right. Well, the leader of that group would take us in his vehicle, and we would all, or we'd caravan. And before we got stopped, he was out of the car already with his own personal camera, shooting something that he saw. He was he was every bit as excited about it as we were. Right. And April is that way. You, I you, love if that. You, she'll give you tips. She'll help you. Uh, give thought as to what is good, but don't stop her when she sees an image because she's going to walk away from you, even in <laughs> mid conversation. Well, yeah, it's it's like follow where I went because I obviously stopped. That's to, good too, to and she doesn't and mind something. you shooting over her shoulder for the most part because it's part of a teaching experience. She's also extremely good at all that other business end of it of lodging and cars and dinner. Oh well, thank you. So so it's a complete package. I I think the world of what her she's doing very difficult job so again listeners my name is april with eyes for the road we've got some great trips coming up if you're local to california i do day trips weekends i have longer excursions we've got alaska i also can help put something together if you have an area of interest such as new england or any other scenic destination I may have some tips or insights, so please contact me. My email is april at aprilart.com. And again, thank you so much, Nick. And I hope we can put together a book on mannequins, and we'll be back to talk about that in another chat. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. This was April with Eyes for the Road.